From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and we have just one week left now in Congress before the long August recess. So there's a lot that the appropriators are trying to get done in this final week on appropriations, but there's a lot of obstacles in their way. And we had some pretty dramatic developments this past week that really shows how the House and Senate are going off in opposite directions. Uh, Not a good sign as they're bearing in here, hoping against hope to get these bills done by September when the before the new fiscal year starts. We want to talk about all of that, where things stand and what the final week ahead will look like. Joining me for that discussion are uh, Aiden Quigley, the appropriations reporter at CQ Roll Call. Thanks for being here, Aiden. Thanks as always, David. And Paul Krawczak, a senior budget writer at CQ Roll Call. Thanks again, Paul. Thank you and good to be here. So this was a pretty dramatic week, guys, because really two two key developments, I think, that really showed how the House and Senate were already on a collision course here over spending levels. But now they went even farther apart this past week because we had this we had this development. Paul, I think you were the first to report on it, where the leaders of the Senate Appropriations Committee agreed to tack on almost $14 billion in extra emergency money to their bills for the coming fiscal year, above what the spending caps allow. So trying to pump up even more spending to get around those caps. And the House, controlled by Republicans, is doing just the opposite, right? They're try- they don't even want to, want to uh, reach the spending caps. They're trying to go lower than the spending caps, that were the sp- these spending caps that were in the debt limit law that passed last month. They want to go even lower. The Speaker Kevin McCarthy promised that he would try to go even lower. The, re- the plan was to go lower. And then the hard right faction, the House Freedom Caucus, sent signals this past week that, that that's not even good enough. We have to go lower still. All of this is shaping up as, as not a happy picture. So how do we assess where they're going? Paul, let's start with you because this emergency money, it would give senators more money to play with. They say it doesn't violate the spending caps because they're calling this emergency money. Um, but how is that going to sit? Well, so, you know, what the Senate appropriators, you know, Senate chair, you know, Patty Murray have said is that um, the Congress in the past um, has, you know, um, put, you know, past emergency money in addition to the money that that is, you know, that has to be under the, uh, the spending cap. And in fact, uh, you know, that that was done this year as well. There was a certain amount of money which um, was um, was passed, which um, is emergency money, but it's used for what they call base spending purposes. So, yeah, we should just explain the the, the, the debt limit deal already allowed for some emergency money beyond the spending caps. I think twenty three billion dollars worth. But but this new announcement this week, they want even more emergency money. They're going beyond that. That's right. That's right. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a way to, um, you know, provide, provide more, you know, funding, you know, above the caps. Um, you know, one of the issues here is that Republicans in the Senate and maybe even some Democrats 
you know, have said that the, the you know, even though defense gets an increase in the, the debt limit law, which, uh, you know, set up these spending caps, even though defense gets an increase, you know, Republicans have said um, it's, it's not enough. Uh, you know, Susan Collins, the ranking member on the Appropriations Committee, has said it's not enough. So this, um, uh, this emergency spending, I think it puts $8 billion more um, into defense for, you know, base spending purposes. So, so this might help solve the issue of Republicans and some Democrats thinking even more money is needed for defense. And of course, it also provides some, some emergency money uh, for some of, some of the other bills as well. Yeah, and it was a bipartisan agreement between Patty Murray, the Washington Democrat, and Susan Collins, the main Republican. It was bipartisan to to uh, pump in this extra emergency money, but it was striking, Paul, that that at the markup on Thursday, uh, they did get some blowback on this, where Joe Manchin, the conservative Democrat from West Virginia, raised his hand and and voiced a formal objection, saying we can't just keep pumping emergency money in and evading these spending caps. He was he was pretty steamed about it, it seemed to me. He was going to offer an amendment, in fact, to strip some of this emergency money out. He, he withdrew that attempt because I think he knew uh, that wasn't going to go anywhere. He didn't have the support for it. But he did register a vocal protest here that does signal some trouble even in the Senate, where there is bipartisan support for more spending, that it's not necessarily an easy lift, and and he and it's certainly not an easy lift in the House. They're going the opposite way. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, so it so it may not be an easy lift um, in the Senate, um, but uh, you know, clearly the the really the big issue here, is, as you said, is that the Senate is adding money. Senate appropriators are adding money. Um, House appropriators are subtracting money. So they're moving farther and farther apart. Yeah. And that's the issue. And we did see the House try to even move uh, even lower in spending this past week, Aiden. Uh, This gets a little complicated to explain, but there was a meeting this week where some of the hardline conservatives, some of those Freedom Caucus members we're pushing for new new demands to to make the spending even lower. Explain what happened there. Yeah, so members of the House Freedom Caucus want to go to the fiscal twenty two top line without rescission. So right now, the House appropriators are writing essentially to that top line, but they are clawing back one hundred and fifteen billion in previously appropriated money to make the actual spending level a little higher, which you know, Freedom Caucus members don't like. They want they want more cuts. So there was a conversation, there was a meeting on on Wednesday night where uh, some representatives of leadership, like Tom Emmer, the Whip, and Garrett Graves, who's you know a top McCarthy ally who was central in the debt limit negotiations, talked to some of the Freedom Caucus leadership and appropriators, and essentially said, "We will, you know, we'll bring spending." You know, we'll move in your direction. You know, we're going to aim to get to where you you want us to be, and because you know, from their perspective, they need to do that to be able to pass their appropriations bills on the floor. Uh, but a key part of that meeting is the Freedom Caucus did not commit to supporting the appropriations bills on the floor. So we'll have to wait and see uh, next week and moving forward. You know, in September, if if GOP leadership decides to bring bills to the floor in September, um, 
you know, will this even be enough to get the Freedom Caucus? Yeah. And let's be clear, if the Freedom Caucus gets its way here and they can't use these rescissions, they can't claw back previous money to pump up next year's spending, they, as as House leadership were, was planning to do, they suddenly have to have to chop off another one hundred and fifteen billion dollars in spending from these bills, right? So that that's a huge that's a huge gap to make up, and they were already way under where the Senate bills are, so the gap here keeps widening, which really sets up a bitter contest in the fall if these bills are ever going to be reconciled to get a compromise. Um, do we think, Aiden, that the Freedom Caucus gets its way here? I mean, Mc- Kevin McCarthy has such a narrow majority. He, c- he can't lose more than four of his members because Democrats are opposed to all of these bills in the House. How does this play? I mean, be- can he cave to the Freedom Caucus that much and require $115 billion in more cuts? I mean, as we've talked about time and time again, it, it seems like the strategy of leadership is to give the Freedom Caucus what they're asking for and hope that that's enough. Uh, I think if you look at the Delimit deal, right afterwards, I remember a podcast where we were talking and and it seemed, I was making the argument that maybe this is a year that appropriations gets done on time. You know, maybe they write to the caps and the Senate writes to the caps and they conference. And, you know, if there's ever going to be a year where they do, it would be a year like this where there are spending caps set. But obviously, we saw that the Freedom Caucus wanted, still wanted the fiscal 22 level, and, and McCarthy gave it to them, and now they want more cuts. And I think we'll, you know, we'll again see leadership try to give the Freedom Caucus whatever they're asking for. But I, I think if you look at this trend, I, I struggle to see uh, leadership being able to give the Freedom Caucus enough to get their votes. Wow. So what? So what does that mean? Uh, I mean, that means that, that that the bills don't pass on the floor. We move into recess in September where, you know, House appropriators said appropriators start conferencing and trying to work out a CR and eventually an appropriations deal uh, without the House passing many of their bills. But I, I do have to put a big caveat in, you know, every every Monday you see Kevin McCarthy go out there and say, the media keeps underestimating me and, and look, at, <laughs> look at what I'm able to do with the debt limit and, you know, they passed NDAA and it always seems like we're questioning whether something can get passed. And at the end of the day, uh, they're able to get something done. But I do think the appropriations bills are a new challenge and particularly uh, going to be putting stress on uh, leadership's ability to, to pass things. Well, the first test of that uh, comes this coming week. Uh, the House, we think, will take up its first two appropriations bills, uh, they've picked the sort of the least controversial bills of the of the 12 annual bills. These two are among the least controversial, the agriculture bill and the bill that funds the Department of Veterans Affairs. They're both supposed to hit the House floor. Again, razor thin majority. We know Democrats are going to oppose them because they, they think all these spending levels are too low. So McCarthy has very little wiggle room here to get them through. I haven't heard Freedom Caucus members say they oppose these two bills in particular. Is that a good sign? Does that mean does that mean they can at least pass these two before the recess? Well, so the the first step would be passing the rule. And 
there's a very slim majority. Representative Sparks from Indiana is not voting for any rules until some major fiscal changes are made. So it seems like she might be a no on every rule moving forward, uh, which brings it down to just you know a handful of a handful of members you could possibly lose on the rules. So I mean, I we'll see what happens next week. I think that it's going to be a challenge to get support. McCarthy will have to make some promises to Freedom Caucus members about further cuts in the other bills, I think, and probably also show some trims. And at least the ag bill, Milcon is kind of would be kind of hard to 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 cut and still get, you know, major GOP support. And that's one of the bills that they, you know, gave an increase to. So I, I don't think there's any appetite to trim that one at all. But I, I think we'll have to see some further cuts in the ag bill and promises from McCarthy to cut the other bills moving forward even farther to get the Freedom Caucus on board and get it across the House. But there'll be policy rider debates. It's going to be a really interesting week. Yeah, I guess my own take would be, I, I think it would be hard for the hardliners to vote against the bill funding veterans, right? Politically, that wouldn't look too good. I suppose they could kill it on, on the rules so that the bill never comes up. But seems like they would be hard-pressed to vote against a bill for veterans. And even the agriculture bill seems not so controversial now. So I haven't heard them express opposition to these bills, but it does seem as though they're looking for some reassurance from leadership as to what the rest of the bills are going to look like, right? They're, they're trying to hold, they might be trying to hold these two bills hostage a little bit, withholding their support for now, as they struggle to get assurances that spending is going to be cut more dramatically on the rest of the bills. I think that's really what this meeting the other night was about, was to say to leadership, hey, we want even more cuts. Don't use these rescissions. So let's cut another $115 billion worth out of those other the rest of these 10 bills, I guess. To my understanding, Aiden, there was no hard promises made to them on that so far, right? This was this was not a meeting that McCarthy himself attended. Yeah, there's no there's no deal made on Wednesday night, no promises, except that uh, a general sense that the room agreed that they would be moving to- closer towards the uh, fiscal twenty two top line. So there would be some further cuts. I mean, the extent is uh, still be, to be determined, but. You know, taking a quick step back to next week, I do think the rule is kind of where you would see uh, this go down if it will go down. Um, and the current state of play at this, this specific moment is the Freedom Caucus is saying that they're not happy with the levels in the overall, you know, the bills you focus the committee are moving and they want further cuts, as we've talked about. So I think unless they do receive kind of a promise from leadership, which, uh, you know, will, will, We'll see if that if that happens or not. Um, they might they might be hesitant to vote for the rule to to move us to the floor. And this whole debate on whether or not to use these rescissions is a big deal. I know it gets technical, but it is a big deal because the House bills and the Senate bill the Senate bills were about one hundred nineteen billion dollars more than the House bills in terms of their spending allocations. Right, a huge gap to make up, but. If, you, if the House Republicans were going to use these rescissions, were going to claw back some previous money to pump up spending, it, it was closing that gap or it promised to close that gap a good ways. But if now the Freedom Caucus won't let them use the rescissions, that gap has widened again. 
and, and creates a real problem. That's the basic dilemma that McCarthy faces, right? It, it is. It is. And, and I do think I do want to point out that I think that it's possible that they still use rescissions to increase spending, but that would only be if they get, you know, more, more cuts. I think the, there's a Freedom Caucus letter that said basically that rescissions are a good thing, but they want, you know, the spending level plus rescissions to equal the fiscal 2022 uh level that was that oh yeah was that, they don't oppose the rescissions per se because it's a chance yeah. to cut more money but yeah but it's how that it's how that gets used is the debate exactly. whether, whether the the claw, clawing back money is used to pay down the debt as the freedom caucus wants or whether it's used for new spending next yes. year um as the leadership was planning to do that's where the that's where the real dilemma is so that's a, a battle they have not resolved yet and and as I say, that goes a long way to knowing whether whether there'll be enough support for these bills on the floor and how big the gap is going to be with the Senate. Huge questions. And then it's not even clear, you know, next week there's the House Appropriations Committee, we think, was supposed to take up its final two bills of the year, which are probably the most controversial bills of the year, which is the the biggest non-defense bill, which is the bill funding the Health and Human Services Department and the Education Department. That's always a big partisan battle. And then the other bill is commerce, the Commerce Justice Science Bill, which this year in particular is contentious with all the fights over, over law enforcement and how Republicans are taking aim at the FBI. Um, You've got all these ideological battles playing out over abortion policy. All of that gets wrapped into these two bills. Aiden, what's the latest? Do you think the Appropriations Committee will actually take them up this week or could they punt? Yeah, so I think there had been a tentative plan to take them up next week. Uh, but at this point, that's looking uh, marky, especially as the Appropriations Committee will be trying to move those you know, ag and milk on the floor at the same time, it's kind of a lot to juggle doing that and markups next week. Uh, so I think, you know, obviously we'll have to wait and see. Maybe they'll try to do both, but it's, it's really a kind of a big logistical uh, thing to juggle when you have trying to move bills on the floor in such a contentious environment and do mar- do markups of the two hardest bills. They're going to last for a reason. So I think we'll have to wait and see if the committee is able to do all of this in the last week before August recess where – members want to uh, skip town and go home and go on go on their vacation. So I think uh, it's going to be a big challenge to see if they can do that or not. Uh, back to Ag and Milcon for one quick second. I think if yeah. we, to make a, if I had to make a prediction about next week, I would say that they would, leadership would work out some kind of agreement with the Freedom Caucus. Leadership clearly wants to make an agreement with the Freedom Caucus and pass the bills. I think that their you know, leadership strategy is to, survive and, and move forward. And, and I think they're going to do everything they possibly can to make an agreement with the Freedom Caucus. The problem is, as we talk about time and time again, such a slim margin, you know, they need to pass the rule. So I, it might be tight, but I think at the end of the day, they make some kind of agreement and we do see these bills pass on the floor next week and leadership will do a big victory lap at the end of the week saying, yeah, we told you so. Uh, we were always going to pass these bills. So We'll have to wait and see if that's how it plays out. I'm curious what Paul, if Paul has a uh, prediction for next week on the House side. Well, no, I, I, I agree with that. I do think that one of the issues here is that um, more centrist Republicans, they can't, they can't lose centrist Republicans either. 
And I think the the argument that they're going to be making, which is you know the argument which they also made when they when the House initially passed the um, its its debt limit increase um, and spending cuts before they reached the debt limit agreement was. Um, you know, we, the House, uh, need to have a negotiating position with the Senate. We, uh, if we, if we pass a bill, we have a strong negotiating position. So I think that you know that will be an argument that will be made to centrists as well as, as conservatives. You know, what we're passing is not going to be the final legislation that the House and Senate pass. But in order for us to have uh, leverage in in the final negotiations. We need to we need to pass bills. So I think that I think that's going to be a big part of the of the argument uh, from the uh, from the whip team. And Paul, in the Senate, uh, they won't have time to put any bills on the floor uh, next week. They're doing the defense authorization measure, um, so there'll be no Senate action uh, at least until September. And I doubt even in September because then they're going to have to pass a stopgap funding measure. Um, but the Senate Appropriations Committee is moving at a pretty big clip, and next week they're supposed to mark up their final four bills from that committee, and that is and the biggest and, and most problematic bills they save for last. But it is striking, Paul, how I mean that committee is just breezing through the bills on with overwhelming bipartisan support. They really have coalesced around around this agreement on spending caps to write these bills to those caps and and it it does seem like almost everyone is falling in line there on the senate side with the exception maybe of Joe Manchin. Yeah, that that's true and that's you know we haven't seen that for a while this kind of progress with the Senate Appropriations Committee. I mean in the past years we've you know we've had years where we uh, we've had you know few if any bills you know marked up at all. Um, in the recent past. Um, so, yeah, so this is, this is really, really, really striking what, um, you know, what Patty Murray, the, the chair and Susan Collins, the ranking member have been able to, to agree to. So, yeah, it is, uh, it, it, it is, uh, it, 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 it's impressive. And then, you know, on the house side, you know, you know, obviously given, you know, the differences in terms of the uh, spending levels, but um, yeah, on the House side, I think they just have two bills. The, the House Appropriations Committee has just two bills left to, to mark up. So the House has two to go, and the uh, the Senate Senate Appropriations has four to go. And building off uh, what Paul was saying there about Patty Roy and Susan Collins, I think they both definitely deserve a lot of credit. You know, when they took over the committee, they said, we're going to get back to regular order, we're going to mark up bills in committee, and here we are as we move to the August recess, and it appears that all the bills will be able to pass committee next week. And that's a huge step forward, a huge difference from what we saw last year. And I think, you know, obviously they got a huge assist with the debt limit package setting the spending caps. And, you right. know, uh, huge assist on that front. But it is notable and, and I think commendable that, that they were able to follow through on their goal of, of kind of getting us back on track a little bit. Obviously, we're not going to see bills on the floor, but – I think marking up a committee is a uh, substantial step and, and worth kind of giving a uh, some kudos to uh, Senate appropriations leadership for. And of course, one key difference is the Senate does not have a freedom caucus, right? You don't have these these hard right ideological forces that you have in the House 
uh, were, who are able to exert so much influence because the House majority is now so narrow. And we should say part of the part of the problem here is really nothing to do with spending levels. We've been focusing on the spending levels, but you've got these huge ideological clashes where House Republicans are using these spending bills for a lot of their culture war stuff that has that has dominated a lot of these House markups. We've seen these huge fights over gay rights, over over transgender, over whether there should be drag queens allowed it, you know, at 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 military bases. Flying the the pride flag, flying Confederate flags, it, it goes on and on and on, and that's where the focus of debate really has been, and, and certainly on abortion policy, they've been they've been hard on that too. That's what's tying up a lot of this, and and of course, no nowhere, no bill has more of those conflicts than the the health and education bill that's coming up possibly next week in the House Appropriations Committee, right? So, I mean, that, that that would be another reason why that bill may be, might not be possible to mark up. In addition, that bill has a lot of spending that Republicans traditionally hate, more pro- probably more there than any other of the 12 bills each year. Uh, and that's where you, that bill is where you see the biggest gap between the House and Senate. There was something like $48 billion difference between the House and Senate bills on, on, what's called labor HHS education. Um, so you've got this huge spending disparity and all the ideological fights on social issues that, that make that, that's going to make that even harder than it, than it usually is every year. So if, if we're free, if the freedom caucus folks are already upset and don't get assurances from leadership, and then they're, they're trying to f- focus on these bills on the floor that's why I think it does raise the question whether the House Appropriations Committee will be able to actually finish their markups this coming week. And that would be a big uh, issue, I guess, for House Appropriators if they're not able to get all 12 of their bills even out of committee. I think that kind of would put them at a disadvantage a little bit in negotiations with the Senate, uh, especially on those two uh, big topic areas. But we'll have to wait and see how it goes. And maybe they'll get back in September and, and work it out and try to finish at least the committee part. Uh, of the appropriations process over there. And Aiden, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there are three Freedom Caucus members who sit on the appropriations committee, or are there more? Four. Four. Yeah. So enough to enough to defeat bills if they all team up together. Yeah, it doesn't sound like many people in in, in such a big committee, but but uh, when all the Democrats are lined up against these bills, yeah, four members could could sink these bills right in committee, and that's that's the dilemma they have. So we're going to see, this will be a big test this week on these two bills on the floor. If these bills can't pass, uh, boy, I think it, it's almost like all hope is lost, right? I mean, if if the two easiest bills can't pass on the House floor, you have to say, where does that leave the House majority? Uh, it would be a huge setback for them, signaling real weakness, you know, with a with a fractured caucus that can't pass its own bills on the floor, you know, I think it's it's hard to understate how how, how much of a, of a blow that would be if, if they actually put these bills on the floor and they go down, which makes me think, you know, that more likely than not, they will be able to pass them. They're the least controversial of the bills, and then they'll be able to take a little credit. But nothing is easy in this fractured house. So that's where we are. Any, any other thoughts, guys, on, on factors that might 
play into things this coming week before they head off for this long recess? Well, I mean, just, you know, looking at the House, these House bills that are going to be on the floor, military construction, veterans and uh, agriculture. Um, you know, I, I, I would think military construction <clears throat> passes fairly easily. And, um, you know, ag, ag prob, agriculture probably passes, too. I mean, it, I mean, it looks like there will be maybe some substantial cuts to agriculture. And so that's going to be a little harder. But I mean, you know, the argument is going to is going to be, you know, we've got to we have to pass these bills to, you know, have leverage, you know, down the road. So, you know, I would think these bills get passed. But as Aiden mentioned, um, you know, these are these are among the easiest bills to pass. And it's, you know, the further down the road they get, the harder it's going to it's going to be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a busy week up on the hill next week. But I, I think after recess, the focus will kind of immediately shift to keeping the government open at the end of September. And that is going to mean a CR. Uh, so I think I think we're really kind of uh, going to be wrapping up the uh, current stage of the appropriations process next week, unless they try to move partisan bills on the House floor in September. But I, I think it's more likely that they just try to get in the room with the Senate and uh, hammer something out. And obviously, as we talk about the appropriations endgame, it will have to be bipartisan. It will not include votes from members of the House Freedom Caucus if history is any guide. Uh, and I think we'll have to uh, wait and see how it, how it goes next week. But I think the crucial focus of keeping the government open is work that will be done in September as we uh, move into the next chapter of the appropriations majority of 2020, fiscal 2024. You know, and then the other thing looking ahead to September um, when they, you know, they start negotiating a continuing resolution, the dynamics really change at that point because, you know, at that point, you know, they're no longer focused on, you know, you know, trying to, you know, get the perfect, you know, individual bill. At that point, they're starting to think, okay, we can either reach, you know, an overall agreement on appropriations between the House and the Senate ultimately, or we can end up with a continuing resolution, which is, you know, which may continue spending at current levels, which, I mean, almost nobody is going to want that for various reasons. So I, I think the discussion starts to change um, in, um, in September after recess. Yeah. And even that continuing resolution is sure to be a heavy lift because nothing is easy in this highly polarized Congress. But that's all the time we have for today. If you like what you hear here, you could subscribe to the CQ Budget newsletter. It hits your inbox every morning. The Congress is in session. You can find that at CQ.com. You can find all of our coverage at CQ.com or RollCall.com. My thanks again to Paul Krozak and Aiden Quigley for joining me today. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you, David. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>